0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Saturday. No, it's not Saturday. On Sunday evening and afternoon. Hmm. Ooh. Joining me from London, England. We, you know, I just want you to know something, McMahon. I was ready to not do with this this week, but Bontemps said we got to do it. And so I always listen to Bontemps. I never, never question him. So here we are. Joining us from London, England, is Tim Bontemps.
1: You didn't say where you were, Brian. Yeah, we got to give the people what they want, which
2: is the pod. So.
0: I'm in Italy. Bontemps is in England. Joining us from Dallas, Texas is Ben McMahon.
2: Howdy, partners. I will tell you, I am only one hour away from Italy and 90 minutes away from Paris. And I am talking, of course, about some small Texas towns. I didn't know there was an Italy, Texas, too. You made that joke in the group it's chat, Italy. by the way. I It's spelled Italy, but it's pronounced Italy. It's the hometown <laughs> of former Cowboys defensive back and special teamer Keith Davis, who is uh, best known for uh, perhaps the incident where he took a bullet to the uh, elbow at a gentleman's establishment, but was a very good <laughs> player as well.
0: I even uh, small towns in Texas have uh, gentlemen's establishments. I believe uh, this, this, uh,
2: this, this one was a DGC Dallas gentlemen's club.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the uh, ZZ top wrote a very famous story about uh, a, uh, a small town with a whorehouse. Anyway. Oh, um, hey, In
2: Texas. Hey, whoa. <laughs> I don't know. Those kind of <laughs> words. Just we're
0: just off in, a, the we're in
1: some strange directions here. First few minutes of the pod. <laughs> All
0: right. Jackson's joining us from Connecticut. Thank you very much. Okay. So we have a slow period here in the NBA. A lot of people are on vacation, like Bon Temps and I. McMahon just back from vacation. That's okay. We uh, now can sort of take an evaluation period here. And um, the idea here today is we're going to take a look at the Eastern and Western Conference and separate them into, do you want to name these tiers? Like pretenders, contenders, middle zone, or you just want to call them? How do you have them I, broken out?
1: I, I just had them in order. One, two, three, four. We can do it. We can do it more than yeah, that, though, no, if you I want think, to break it out.
2: I think contenders, tier two is like pseudo contenders, I would say. Pseudo, yeah, pseudo contenders, dreamers. Then, yeah, contenders, then, dreamers, then, yeah, contenders, dreamers. I think you've got some, some, you know, play in potentials. Uh, and, and, and then you're, you're going to get down into, you know,
0: the pretenders.
2: Uh, yeah, lottery lovers.
0: Well, okay. All right. So let's start in the Eastern Conference. Bond Temps, uh, you uh, you are our Eastern, our man in the East. So we'll start with you and um, let's hear your uh, contenders and who makes the cut here now that you've seen the majority of the offseason.
1: So far, I've only got two teams in Tier 1 in terms of teams I think will win the East. Obviously, there's a couple that could jump in here depending on what happens, I certainly think. As far as Philadelphia goes, I don't think James Harden's going anywhere. We have to sort of see what that looks like as we get into the season. I think they're capable of being in Tier 1. In Miami, if they get Damian Lillard, I think they will be in Tier 1. But so far, the way the Aussies has played out, I think there's only two teams that I would look at as true favorites to get out of the East as of this moment right now, which are Milwaukee, who I would pick probably to get out of the East if I was picking one team, and Boston. I think those are the two teams that are sort of head and shoulders above everybody else, in part because some of these other teams – have slid back because of either instability within the roster, namely with Philly, with Harden, and with Miami sort of in limbo, waiting to see what happens with Damian Lillard. And at, even throughout last year, nobody thought Miami was going to make that kind of run before they got to the playoffs. So I would say Milwaukee and Boston are right now, at least for me, in tier one by themselves.
2: I mean, I so definitely...
0: That's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, McMahon.
2: I was just going to say, I definitely don't disagree about Milwaukee and Boston being tier one. That's not exactly going out on a limb. I do think you have to include Miami there. We did just see them, you know, get through the Eastern Conference. We we did just see them get through those two teams that you're talking about. I understand they lost some contributors, but Jimmy Butler is going to be back. Bam Adebayo is going to be back. And they're either going to have Damian Lillard or they'll have – some additional firepower with the return of, of Tyler Hero. So I, I I would put Miami in that group.
0: So really this is a referendum kind of in this spot on Philadelphia. That's what you're basically saying here is you're basically not including Philly in that list of contenders. And I'll wait for what you say about Philly, but that's a choice, Bontemps. And I want to hear about your your decision on that when you go to your next, your next layer here.
1: Well, I, I think if James Harden, Shows up and plays for the Sixers, I think they're in this first tier. And if, if he's anywhere near where he was last year, I think they're in this first tier. Because essentially, as much as we love our man, the mini man, bang bang, George Yang, who was on the pod during the finals, that's really the one guy they've lost from last year's team. They've lost some depth. Shake Milton's gone. But generally, their top seven guys from last year are back. And if James Harden is ready to go at the start of the year and playing, then I think Philly is right there with a Milwaukee team that should be the best team, but obviously is older. We saw last year in the playoffs, Giannis got banged up. They could potentially have some injury issues. We'll see what happens with Chris Middleton. And then with Boston, like certainly, I think the Celtics have potentially the highest ceiling of any team in the league, but they have a lot of variance now with the way they've changed their roster. We'll see what happens with the Chris Sass fit. We'll see if guys like Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams can stay healthy. We'll see how Al Horford looks this year and what is, I think, his age 38 season now in the NBA. So they just, they just have a lot of questions. So it is a referendum on Philly because we don't know where the James Harden situation sits right now, but I think if he is back and fully invested or at least mostly fully invested for next season, then I suspect this is going to wind up being a four team tier once Miami ends up with Damian Lillard. And I think your points on Miami are fair McMahon, but given where they are right now and that they've lost a couple guys from their team from last year, and we're still in limbo waiting to see what happens with the Lillard thing. I have to have them, a little bit lower than these teams at the top in Milwaukee and Boston that we know, I think, have a little higher
2: ceiling overall and also are pretty much set with what they are. Okay. Here's the deal about Philly. Number one, if Harden's back and the same guy that he was last year, whoopy damn do, because you know what? They've never been to the East Finals. They, they haven't been to the East Finals since Allen Iverson was starring in Philadelphia. So I'm not going to sit here and put Philadelphia uh, in tier one under any circumstances because We've been doing that. They haven't proven it to be accurate, you know, And and until they can actually win a pair of playoff series. I'm not going to sit here and talk about them as one of the elite teams in the NBA. And then the whole, well, first of all, we'll, we'll see if Harden's even on the roster come training camp, much less whether he's in the building if he is, but the whole thing of, well, if James Harden's fully invested, like, dude, if I win the freaking Powerball, I'll be filthy, damn rich. Like, <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about those kind of ifs, give me a break. James Harden's posting cryptic things on Instagram about being uncomfortable, which by the way, I had a, uh, a rocket source who was, who was the source of the original were willing to get uncomfortable comment when Harden was threatening, you know, trying to get out of there, who, who found great humor in, in the fact that Harden's now using the uncomfortable playbook. um, And then, you know, his his next Instagram post is him chugging his wine. Like, come on, dude. James Harden's not, he's not going to be fully invested in Philadelphia ever again. Just wrap your head around that simple fact.
1: Well, I mean, again, I don't have him in tier one for a reason, right? Like if I, if I believe James Harden was going to be what he was last year, I would have him in tier one. And just to push back slightly on that, if he is the guy he was last year, They were about five minutes away in game six from beating Boston, probably the single worst matchup for any team for them in the league last year. And they might've been favorites to win the title if they win that game. So I I totally understand where you're coming from as far as them not getting to the East finals with this group. I'm not saying they're going to get there this season, but they have shown a ceiling of being in that caliber of team with this group. And again, I have them in tier two because I can't sit here and say James Harden's definitely going to be with this group and be invested, right? That's why they're in the second tier. If, if I knew that or believe that, I would have them in the first tier. So that's why, for both Philly and Miami, if you want to make an argument for them to be in the first tier, I think you can. But I think for different reasons, they're both still incomplete. And that's why I'd have them a little bit lower than the Celtics and the Bucs. Both of them have their own questions, but at least right now, we can look at going into the season and say, all right, this is. We have a pretty good sense of what these teams are and their overall ceilings, I think are a little bit higher than Miami and Philly's are.
0: All right, let me, uh, you know, I don't know how many people saw Daryl Morey's quotes, uh, that he gave on, um, I think it was, was it the fanatic in Philly?
1: Yeah. It was on the fanatic in yeah. Philly radio radio station in Philly last week.
0: Well, of course, you know, radio station, uh, Philly radio is amazing. Number one, uh, for many different reasons. Uh, number two, I respect Daryl Morey for doing a radio interview. Uh, and being somewhat transparent under the circumstances. I'd say,
1: I'd say pretty transparent. I, I think you laid played out yeah. the situation pretty straight.
0: Yeah. And so I'm going to, I mean, he it was a very long interview and I don't want to, number one, I don't want to read the whole thing, but I really <laughs> don't want to take him out of context. So I'm going to read a portion of it and I'm just hoping it doesn't take it out of context. I'll do my best. If you guys can police me on I'll, this,
1: I'll fill in any gaps that there are, but I don't think it's okay. going to leave anything out.
0: We know that we need more talent, whether that's James' return or what we turn James into. And I would just say to the fans, obviously, right now, things aren't being perfect. You sort of have to figure out how it's all going to work. But at the end of the day, try not to focus too much on the roster in July, which I thought was an amazing quote for a number of reasons. Try not to focus too much on the roster in July. People are focused on, oh, you have too much of this or not enough of that. Try to focus on how the roster looks during the season. And frankly, we do have a lot of like put up or shut up fans, which I don't mind. And I, and they, and, and say like regular season doesn't matter. Well, if that's the case, then let's focus on the roster as we go into the playoffs, how we're playing and how we're improving then not really worrying too much about the roster in July.
2: What's, uh, now, on what's...
0: one hand. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
2: I was going to say, what's Joel Embiid worried about while he's doing uninterrupted and kind of dropping hints that, hey, uh, maybe it ain't going to be in Philly for me long term?
0: He just got married two days ago or one day ago, whatever.
2: This Um, weekend. Yeah. Well, he's on his honeymoon, but the honeymoon period for Daryl Moore in Philadelphia is... (laughs) Well,
0: Well, again, I mean, it's not... The thing about it is, is the championships are often won in July. Okay, not every year. But championship moves are often made in July. So saying don't worry about the roster.
2: If you have a really bad July, it's really hard to win a championship. Well, the Lakers won a
1: championship in February, last I heard. So, you know, we've got until February to see what happens. Thank
0: you for bringing that up. Uh, We can always count on you.
1: Top six roster. So like
0: like on one hand, like what he's saying has merit. Mm -hmm. It does not matter what happens. Um, 11 months before the finals are played, but it also does matter. And so basically what he's saying is don't pay attention to us right now. Just check back us, check back with us later. Just give me some time. And that may end up being good. Like he may end up following through on that. And he has made many midseason trades. I, I really wonder if anybody has made more trades in the NBA in season in the last 15 years. Hey, I can't. Made, there's no way.
2: He's made mid season. He's made late training camp, like the, the trade that originally brought James Harden to Houston yep. and, and launched the Rockets into relevancy and they never got over the hump, but into an extended uh you know contender run. Um look, I th- I think if you kind of boil down Daryl Morey's radio appearance, what he's saying is look we got a lot, I've got a lot of work to do. I realize it like
1: (laughs) I'm trying. Yeah. And the other thing I think that is important to point out that he said is the same thing, uh, frankly, that he said privately, which is that they're going to trade James Harden. If they can either get a star back or get pieces that will get them a star back. And if they can't, they're not going to trade him. And that's why I continue to believe that James Harden is going to be on the team. Now, again, i Will agree with my co-hosts here that that could go very badly, but I think if you just look at the landscape right now, the odds of them getting one of those two things back for James Harden are pretty slim. Mm-hmm. So I think James Harden is going to start the season on the Sixers, and and if we he does, see how you're that gonna,
0: goes, you are going to upgrade them to tier one if he does. Is that what you are saying? If
1: if. If he is playing like he did last season, which I do think is a higher chance of happening than you guys do, because I think for I think for selfish reasons, he's going to have to at some point play and play well for the Sixers. Now maybe he won't, and maybe this will go crazy.
2: Obviously, we've seen this before. This is yes, a, we have. This is a sequel. Okay. When we saw this happen in Houston okay, you'll you'll recall and and whether he reports training camp or not, maybe he'll decide, you know what I can I can be a bigger pain in the butt if I'm at camp than if I'm not, you know, if I can be a bigger pain in the butt in Philadelphia than in Atlanta and Vegas with a little baby. Um, so whatever, but when he when he with the Rockets, he had forty four points and seventeen assists in the season opener, right? Against the Trailblazers, which was basically, hey, just want to make sure everybody realizes I can still dominate. I'm still James Harden, and then he was a dog until they dealt him. Well, he and- laid it down after that. My point is, I think it's much more likely that Harden will have he'll have just enough performances to remind everybody I am still a star, but he ain't going to be all in on trying to win in Philadelphia. That ship has Sailed.
1: Well, we'll see. I mean, as as I've said before, again, just to play devil's advocate, I do think this is a much much different situation for James Harden today and going into next season than it was when he was in Houston trying to get to Brooklyn or Philly, and when he was in Brooklyn trying to get out of Brooklyn and to go to Philly. Because I don't think there's the obvious suitor that's sitting there waiting to pay him all the money, or is going to be desperate to go trade for him. Because if that team existed. He might be on that team already, but instead he's sort of venturing near the territory Russell Westbrook has been in for the last couple of years where I, James is a better player, I think at this point, but there's real baggage and real questions about him at this point. So that's the only reason why I say, I do think there's the potential for him to show up this year and play like he did last year from a from a purely selfish standpoint in terms of, I need to put myself in a position where somebody's gonna wanna give me the bag next summer. I'm not saying that's going to happen, to be clear, because uh, you live through that. I lived through it when he was in Brooklyn, so get getting traded to Philly. I'm, I'm very, very aware this could go completely sideways again, but I do think it's a little different situation. And frankly, I think the fact that he opted into his contract, I think is a sign he realizes it's a little bit of a different situation. Because if you were truly confident in getting paid, the move would have been to opt out of your contract and sit there and get paid this summer. Clearly opting in made him, at least whether it was his agents or him or whatever, somebody decided he needed to opt into his deal because he wasn't going to get the kind of money he wanted as a free agent. And the only other thing I'll say on Philly, because we've talked about this for too long as it is, so we don't want to talk about both conferences. All of, we've, we've hinted at Joel. Obviously, Joel went and got married. You know, Congrats to Joel and his now wife, son, Arthur. But that is the real story here. Is the Sixers have one year from right now to have this team set up in a position where we can look at it and say the Sixers are truly in Tier One in the East for the next few years. And if we're sitting here a year from now and we think the Sixers are in Tier Two or Tier Three in the East and are not in Tier One, then we're going to be have a conversation like what's been going on in Portland with Damian Lillard
2: for the past and, month or two. And forget about is- if we think if he thinks. That's right we
1: but right but if but if we think that, Joel's going to think that because I, I do believe Joel would prefer to stay in Philly if it's up to him. However, if we're sitting here a year from now and this team is struck out in free agency with this apparent path to get a couple of max players and it looks like they're sort of the fourth or fifth or sixth team in the east, the only thing we're going to be talking about is what's Joel Embiid's future. So okay. that's yeah, when you talk best. about Gerald Darylamore being on the clock, That's why Daryl's on the clock. It's not because of this James Harden situation. It's because if this doesn't work out, he's got a ticking time bomb
2: in the Joel Embiid situation sitting there waiting for him to deal with next summer. We'll have plenty of pods to come at at some point, not now, but at some point I do want to talk about spots other than New York that that might make sense to take a big swing at Joel Embiid. We got a lot of time for that. More Hoop Collective podcast after this.
0: Dot com sign up today claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package tier two dreamers led by philly i'm sure
1: yeah philly this is going to be pretty easy philly miami cleveland new york philly miami We talked about plenty uh cleveland had a great summer getting max truce getting George and yang um No, I I do think they got better. I still don't think they're in the top tier in the East. I'd be stunned if they're in the conference finals next year, despite um, the improvements they've had. I think Evan Mobley would have to take a really massive step forward, which isn't impossible. He could. He's an incredibly talented player. Um, And I think the Knicks got better, essentially trading Dante DiVincenzo for Obi Toppin. I think that's a big upgrade for them. I think having Josh Hart for a whole season will be an upgrade, but I still don't think the Knicks are on the level of Milwaukee or Boston. So to me, those four teams – Pretty clearly
2: the top six in the East as of now.
0: The Knicks haven't done their extension with Josh Hart yet. Mm. Do we make anything of that?
2: I would I'd be willing to bet that it gets done. Just the amount of cooperation it took to get him to opt in, which was to get his Nova buddy, Dante DiVincenzo, to go along with his his Nova buddy Jalen Brunson, as well as he played for them, as happy as uh, I think everybody in that situation is. I, I would still anticipate something gets done there, but I don't have inside info on that.
1: I mean, there's not really a place for him to go. I would just say to McMahon's point, it's one of those things where it bears watching that it's not done yet simply because it isn't done yet. And it makes you wonder why isn't it done yet, whether it's yeah. because the Knicks are trying to do something else or there is some issue over money. It's hard to imagine there's an issue over money. I would tend to think it's because they're trying to get something else done, but it it is interesting. It's not done yet. I just, I will be pretty stunned for many reasons. If Josh Hart is not a very key contributor to the Knicks for next season and beyond.
0: Yeah. So when, if slash when Donovan Mitchell does not extend with the Cavs this fall, Mm -hmm. um, what should the Cavs, Thought process be about that going forward?
2: Well, I think the Cavs, and you know this better than me, but since I've gotten all along, is that the Cavs made this made that Donovan Mitchell move, basically understanding, hey, it's going to be a two-year window. And then we might have a decision to make as far as you know, play it out and and risk losing him after that following season in free agency. Or you know, flipping him, recouping a bunch of assets. You know, and, and the fact that they were able to make the trade. Now, obviously, Markman's been phenomenal in Utah, but from the Cavaliers' perspective, they kept their three core guys, right? They kept, um, you know, Garland. They kept Mobley. They kept Jared Allen. Although I think the Allen situation is 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 one to to monitor over the next year or so. Um, But this is kind of a make or break year for the Cavs. I don't do you think he you think he signs an extension right now? I think there's no chance he
1: signs. I don't think there's any chance he signs an extension there ever. And if it was up to me, I would trade Donovan Mitchell today because I don't think the Cavs are getting as far as they hope to next year. And I don't think he's going to extend. And I think they'll get a lot more for him with two summers left than they will with one summer left. Now, I also am fully aware that's not what they're going to do. And I understand why they're not going to do it because you perfectly laid out, I think, McMahon, what their thought process was making the deal and where they sit. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do. But me personally looking at it, I think it's more likely they lose in the first round than they win two rounds. And in that scenario, I don't really see any world where Donovan Mitchell wants to stay there after next season. And to me, I'd be looking at it now and saying, all right, well, if we flip him for a bunch of stuff now, we can start to figure out exactly the kind of team we want to have around these three guys and put ourselves in as good a position as possible three or four years and out to contend. Now, I understand anybody thinking otherwise in terms of whether that's the right path going forward. I just, I, and I understand why they took a swing on it. I think it's great. I, I'm glad they did. And I think if they do, obviously I think they're, they're not going to trade him now, yeah. So I, I understand running it back this year. I just, I'd be a little more proactive than I think they will be on it. Cause I just don't see any world where he stays, And I also don't really see a realistic world where they're a real contender in the East this year. So I I think they're sort of just going to be in the same spot now a year from now.
0: Let me just say a few things here. One, I'm going to point out that they had the best non-LeBron season in 25 years. Obviously, there was uh, 11 LeBron seasons in there, so it's not 25 seasons. First
1: time they made the playoffs, I believe, in 25 years without LeBron, correct?
0: That's right. That's right. Um, But obviously... They made the playoffs 10 times out of 11 years, or 9 out of, uh, nine out of yep. 11 with LeBron. Right. Um, so it's not quite, but the point is, is that they had a very successful year. Um. Donovan brought them instantaneous returns. It wasn't yep. the, they didn't hit their ceiling, but yep. they had a great year. Secondly, there's a lot of variables in the East that I, th- uh, and even within their own roster, that I think that they need to see play out. One, they need to see what happens with Philly. They need to see what happens with Miami. They might need to see what happens with New York, whether New York is able to make a big move or not. And they also need to see what happens with Evan Mobley. You know, they have big expectations for Evan Mobley, um, big belief in him. And so this is a, a, a very important season, year three. And um I think those three things have to happen before they have a really good idea of their direction, not just so much where they finished this year, but also those unknowns. And maybe they'll have those things known by February when they would have a window to maybe do something and maybe they won't. Um, But I do think that it's, there's a little bit of uneasiness. As I I was talking to people in Cleveland this year, I said, look, you have two choices you can enjoy what's going on on the ground or you can go to 10,000 feet. I would suggest enjoy what's happening on the ground. Cause this hasn't happened in a while, mm-hmm. but at some point you will have to go to 10,000 feet and there's a little bit of discomfort. And the first queasiness is probably going to go through them this fall when Donovan doesn't extend. And I'm sure he'll get asked about it at media day and I'm sure he'll have a very good answer and maybe even a hedge answer. And, um, That'll be interesting, but he is he knows how to handle these situations before. He handled it before in Utah. I don't expect him to make any proclamation. I expect him to kick the ball down the field. So I think you have them properly positioned here in tier two. And I think the problem here is, is that you've named seven teams. Six. All of six teams. Anyway, the Cavs could finish six out of those teams. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Um, and have a good still have a good year. And yep. finish sixth. Yeah. And that is again a little queeze, a little queasiness. Um,
1: it's a really good top Knicks. six. It's a really good top six in the east. It's not, yeah. it's not like it was four or five years ago where there was you one and a half or two good teams and nobody after that. And real quick, McBan, I'll just say I think Evan is one of the four or five most interesting players in the league this year. And his direction, whether he takes a really significant leap forward, particularly offensively, or he sort of stays in the same lane. I think it's one of the most important things to watch in the league because of this conversation we're having right now about how they could potentially impact Donovan Mitchell.
2: Yeah, and, and a couple of things with him. Number one, if he doesn't develop into an average corner three-point shooter, I don't think they can continue as a full-time two-team or two-big team. I do, I just think the spacing's too crunched up if teams don't have to guard him out there. And so I think that's a decision that the Cavaliers might have to make at some point sooner than later.
0: That's true. I agree with that. But there is more ways he can impact the game, I think, than standing in
1: the corner.
2: Okay, I, but, you know. But I'm saying Jared Allen needs to be a either in the dunker spot or rolling. Right. To, like the Jared. spacing,
1: the spacing's a real issue
2: if right. he doesn't and shoot I, the ball. And I know Mobley's got some passing ability. He can put it on the floor a little bit, but for the Cavaliers, is currently constructed to. Take that leap into being a contender. He's got to take a pretty significant leap on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. Well, I,
0: I will say this: I think that J.B. Bickerstaff is under a measure of pressure mm-hmm. after the way that that team played in the playoffs and the way that they were outmaneuvered. Tib- Tibbs just did a better job with his lineups. He just did. I mean, and. The Cavs, some of the Cavs, well, really went they, down their went down their yeah, leg. I was going to say, I mean, Jared they, Allen basically admitted to it, but
1: yeah, yeah, they didn't I, they didn't show up in that series for the most part.
0: I, I think JB Bickerstaff is under a measure of pressure. He's delivered a terrific defensive game plan for several years now. Um, he has turned them into an elite defensive team. That's why they won fifty games. He is under some pressure to deliver an offensive system that takes advantage of Evan Mobley and finds a way to alleviate the concerns that you brought up, I mean, finds a way to play, the, to, to play their best defensive lineup on offense. And if your point is that you don't think it's possible, I would not necessarily disagree with that. But I would also say, that, again, they have to wait and see what, what, what they can try. I mean, but, I mean I that's what their, of their, their DeLorean, summer worry is.
2: You know, Find a DeLorean and go back a couple decades <laughs> or, you know, into the 90s. But like it's just it's hard to win today's NBA, which is the best offensive era of all time, um, when you can't when you can't space the floor. Well, and the other issue, tough.
1: Well, and the other issue is when you've got two ball dominant guards, right? Like Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell. Part of the way Evan Mobley is going to get better on offense is if he has the ball, right? And just by virtue of the way their team is built. He's at best going to be their third option on offense. And now they, by the way, added Max Struess, a guy who's going to get up a bunch of threes because they need him to. And George Nyang is going to come in and fire up a bunch of threes because they need him to, because they don't have a lot of shooting as it is, right? So that is going to be a complication with that. And the other thing too, if you look at it and correctly say, well, you know, they need to move away from the two big lineup. Part of the issue Cleveland has, and a lot of these teams with talented centers have is There are so many centers in the league right now that if you have a guy like Jared Allen, who's really good and you want to turn him into something else, it's very hard to get equal value for him, which is where, which is where it comes back to. If you're the Cavs, you really need Evan Mobley to take this step forward. So you don't have to try to do that and then sacrifice and get 60, 70% of the talent level of Jared Allen to balance out your roster. Right. That's why like, I just especially with like think he's Capella, so Capella's important. on
2: the block right now as well, right? And like, yeah, hey, Mavericks would love to have that kind of a starting center, but yes, Yusef Nurkic is on the block.
0: Clint Capella is on the block. These are quality centers. Jared right. Allen is better than those two guys, but not dramatically.
2: Right. So like, it's now, like if you got Jared not Allen, not dramatically instead. better than Capella. I'd say he's pretty dramatically better than Nurkic. Well, really it's it's.
1: And I was going to say, it's funny. McMahon brought up Capella because to move this along a little bit, right, I have hold one, on one team... second. I'm
0: just going to say one more thing. Oh, sure. If you brought in, if, if you brought in a basketball consultant, like you would bring into a business, the basketball okay. consultant would study the calves and would say what you've just said, Bontemps, which is you either got rid of, got to get rid of both one of the small guards or get rid of one of the bigs. You can't play two bigs and two small guards together. Mm-hmm. That's what the, the, the consultant I didn't, I didn't exactly
1: said. say that, to be clear. I didn't exactly say that.
0: But, that, I mean, that's people see that as a concern. So the question is... The basketball
2: consultant is, said that.
0: Yeah, the unnamed basketball <laughs> the imagine, consultant The imaginary
2: said basketball consultant came in and said it.
0: <laughs> but, and maybe they'll get to that point, but they're not there yet. Right, and, right. And so, okay, so they have the, the dueling timelines, Donovan's contract, mm and the, and the timeline to make that a little bit awkward fit work. Okay. Tier three Eastern. Well, and, if,
1: and if Evan Mobley's an all-star next year, then perhaps it'll, it'll all work out, but that, right. that you want to look at, again, he, if you're just looking at the NBA next year, Evan Mobley is as important a figure in it as there is in the league from that kind of standpoint, going into the next season, tier, tier three's three. got one tier three's got one team in it. It's Atlanta. Okay. I, I'd, throw the,
2: I'd throw the nets in there too, but okay.
1: So I, I think, Uh, We'll get to the Nets in a second. I think Atlanta is very solidly the seventh best team. They got Quinn Snyder. They have a full training camp with him. They get a really good extension done with DeJounte Murray. Did not expect to see that. I thought it was really good business for Atlanta on a variety of fronts to get him locked up. Got him and Trey Young. They still have Clint Capella. They've got a pretty deep roster. You get a full offseason with Quinn Snyder to get up to speed with that group. Wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta finishes a little higher than seventh because I do think they're pretty deep and they have a pretty high floor. Just don't think their ceiling's that high, so I've got mm-hmm. them by themselves in this tier. <laughs>
2: well, I can move can, right along if we got need got nothing to not say about that. We Atlanta analysis, okay? I can, well, I, can skip,
1: I, I can skip right ahead to tier four if we want. There, I don't think there's um, a lot else to say about the Hawks, really. So,
0: so what did DeJounte Murray's contract is – he signed a four-year, hundred twelve million dollar extension.
2: I think it's like four for up to one twenty, I believe. Yeah, I believe it's
1: one one eleven. Yeah. I mean, you reported it. I believe it's one eleven with eight or nine million in incentives. I believe is the, yes, the total deal.
0: That's right. Yeah, that's right. That was one of the more stunning moves of the summer. Yeah, the Hawks have also done other moves to reduce salary, including dumping uh, John. Finally, Collins. trading
1: John Collins after mm-hmm. years of debate Literally. and speculation about it.
2: And then literally for no we don't just want to give them away, then they literally just gave them away <laughs> right
0: yeah um so it's hard to a hundred percent assess where they are. They've been in some rumors over the last month mm-hmm. about possible deals. I start hearing three team deals. you know how I feel about three team deals
1: um zero team deals
0: um. It's like a two quarterback system. If you've got a two also, quarterbacks system, yeah. you've got no quarterbacks. Yeah. I also think it'll you be gotta, tough
2: for Atlanta to win bidding wars, considering that they gave up pretty significant draft capital to get Dejounte Murray,
0: which is why they had to keep him and they got him at a great price. So, mm-hmm. like, it's one of the best moves of the summer. Yeah, but they all—I don't know if they've gotten better as a team.
1: Well, and we'll so, see if he's on there. the team in March, right? I mean, he could be traded before, I think starting sometime in January, and it will be very interesting to see if he's still on the team after the deadline, because that is, to your point, going forward, that's one of the better contracts in the league when you look at his production, his age, his ability. Like, that's a really interesting deal to get done. And, you know, if they are in a bit of a, a floundering spot in January, which they could be going into the deadline, I certainly think, you know, that's a move they could make. And certainly one that looks a lot better now that he's under contract going forward than when he had, you know, potentially a few months left on his deal at that point. For
0: sure. They've significantly improved his, uh, his worth in the market. Um, you like uh, you, you, think the Nets should be in this zone, McMahon? I Man,
2: I, yeah, I, I don't necessarily know that we need to spend a whole lot
1: of time talking about them, but. Well, I, let me just give you tier four real quick for me. Um, okay. it's the other teams that have a chance to be in the play-in for me, which is Indiana, Brooklyn, Chicago, and Toronto. Um, Indiana. I,
2: I, I, th- I put Orlando in that. I put Orlando in that group too.
0: Yeah. I, I thought about five tiers.
2: Well, oh, well I've got I, six tiers in both. Com- oh yeah. Five oh tiers. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, Jeez. listen, dude, that's how it is. I got six. Right. In the West. Yeah, I have five oh. tiers as well. Some of us are professionals here. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought I think, I think Orlando's. I'll got, make it a little bit more
0: digestible for the listener.
1: That's, I mean, Jeez. it's pretty digestible. It's, they're in order.
2: I <laughs> think the listeners like they're they've got ten fingers. They can count. My God, it's really not to get to their toes here. You give it's really really a not whiteboard, that hard. it's it's really well, not that get, hard. It's all Bobby Marks, He ain't doing much with his right now. I
1: think I think Indiana's got the high ceiling of these teams. I do I do really like their potential going forward. Um Jarvis Walker, their rookie out of Houston was really impressive at summer league. I think long-term he's a great fit with miles Turner. I just think they might be a year away from really taking a jump,
2: but or a big trade away
1: could be a big trade away too. I mean, they're going to be an interesting candidate from that standpoint, they've got all their draft picks going forward. They've got some young pieces, mm-hmm. you know, there's been some talk about Pascal Siakam. Certainly he'd be an interesting fit there if right. that happened. Um, though I don't expect Pascal to get traded just because Toronto has never moved their guys. I don't think that's going to change, but I, I do I do like their ceiling the highest, but I do think Brooklyn, Chicago, and Toronto are essentially the same team. They've all got some yeah. interesting players. They have a lot of flaws. They all feel incomplete. And yeah. I think they're all sort of going to be fighting to be somewhere from 7th to 10th in the East, and one of them is probably going to finish 11th.
2: That's fair. Like I said, I just throw Orlando in there. I thought they played a lot better in the second half of the season. I think they've got two young like franchise cornerstone type of guys and Wagner and obviously Ben Caro, um, you know I I just think that they're at least a play in candidate. And then your tier five, I'll go ahead and say it for you: teams that uh, we're looking at early lottery: Hornets, Pistons, Wizards.
1: Yeah, and I have the I have the Magic in there just because I, I would have liked them to add another piece this summer and really try to take a step forward. Yeah. They kind of they drafted Anthony Black, who's an interesting player. I love Franz Wagner. Paulo Bancaro obviously had a really good rookie year, one uh rookie of the year last year. I just think they're still a little bit low below the scenes. But look, if they finish ninth or tenth, it's not gonna be a shock. Either. So there's they the... have
0: too many, they have too many guards. They're gonna have to make a move at some point with the guards. I don't know if they're gonna pay Cole yeah. Anthony when they've just drafted Anthony Black. I think Charlotte thinks they're gonna win some games this year.
2: Well, Vegas has Charlotte at 31 and a half. And by the way, you're the tiers, you you follow pretty much went right along with the Vegas odds. There was, there was no real outliers there. Um, I mean, Charlotte, Sixers, Nets, they and may not be able to board right now, but
0: let's just say something about Charlotte. Lamelo played like what thirty games,
2: if that, and if. Miles Bridges didn't
1: play. Yeah, Miles
0: Bridges didn't play, and Miles Bridges is highly motivated to have a good year this year.
1: This yeah. is true. Um, and, I can definitely see a scenario you know, where Charlotte's in the mid thirties. I would like their over on that over under they, they won high twenties you know, last year and their season was a disaster.
0: I don't know. If Brandon Miller's going to be, but he's, he might, he might he's,
1: help him. <laughs> he probably ain't going to help much as a rookie just because rookies generally don't, but I, I but look, know, but I, I'm I saying, think there's those a chance that,
0: you know, there's are two players they didn't have last year at all. And one guy who was injured for the majority of the yeah. season.
1: I think Charlotte could easily end up in the mid thirties. I just don't think they're a real threat to finish higher than 11th or 12th. Yeah. That's okay, That's enough on Charlotte. On to the West and our man, Ben McMahon.
2: On to the West. Tier one consists of the defending champions. And that's it. Me, me too, bud. I'm with I you. Mean, on I mean, I know, I know we said, hey, they didn't have a great offseason. They lost their sixth and eighth man in uh free agency. You know, they're gonna they're gonna fill in with young draft picks, right? Christian Brown will play a bigger role. Peyton Watson should be a rotation guy. They've got a few draft picks this year, they're gonna have a chance. And they still got Nikola Jokic, who, by the way, Wendy, you will not be seen during your trip to the Philippines. Who won't be? Yeah, it
0: was reported out days. of Europe on Sunday. That oh, he I was missed not that play. Yeah. yeah, well, that's big that's news. The report. That's the report. And yeah. by the way, like a whole bunch of guys dumped out of Serbia. Um, yeah, Serbia. It was a team that could have won this thing. And yeah, um, there,
2: there mean, is the Canadians. What's the EuroLeague MVP's right? name? Who's going to be on the Thunder next year? He's Misic. He's, yeah, he's really not playing for him. Um. Anyway, he also is not going to play. But Jokic will be playing for the Nuggets, and that's enough to put him <laughs> one as they. You know, I'm 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 assuming that he's they'll, taking.
0: He, I'm sure that I'm sure the Nuggets were not disappointed in that news. They were not. They were not displeased.
2: Exactly. I I think they'll be recovered by the parade. You know, at some point. Did you maybe.
0: see uh, Jokic uh, Whitewater rafting last week?
2: I didn't. I missed. I this. didn't. I didn't see that either. Was, was that like near you in Italy?
0: No, I'm not near any whitewater that I know of. Um, no, I don't know where he was, but he was whitewater rafting and he was right. enjoying himself. No, he, he he earned, right, he's right earned left. the downtime. Yeah. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I'm okay. with you, McMahon. I, uh, there's a bunch of other teams that have flaws in the West. I had a very large second tier personally, um, but I, I thought Denver would, even with the losses, like you said, I, that starting five, if they're healthy, I think they showed they're clearly better than the rest of the competition in the West, as of now,
2: pretty controversial opinion. Considering they went 16 in the playoffs <laughs> yeah, exactly. to win a championship, so it's,
0: it's more that they went 10 and one right. coming home. Right, that they, was more impressive great, than the overall. They,
1: they were they were pretty good.
0: All right, did you two. see? Uh, uh, by the way, Bruce Brown. I can't remember where he did the interview. Um, but he did an interview. Oh, I think it was on another player's podcast, and I can't remember which. But he mm. said that the only team that gave them that gave them trouble or Man, I'm not exactly quoting it, but the team that gave them the their hardest players.
2: matchup was Minnesota, I believe. Yeah, is it was how
0: Minnesota. It. That's, yeah. that's interesting and, uh, because the
2: Suns are the one that, that beat them twice.
1: Uh, I, think, I think he was doing some tweaking there across yeah. the board. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Sure. yeah.
2: I'm sure. Speaking of the Suns, they lead tier two. Suns, Lakers, I put the Warriors in there. I did think that the Warriors got better. Also, like real controversial opinion when here. When Mark
0: Spears hears about Kings Erasure, he's we'll gonna be there. coming after <laughs> you, but pretty it'll...
2: sure the Warriors beat the Kings in the playoffs last year. And um, the I three, remember. you know, though I've I've mentioned the, the teams that actually got out of the first round, so it's not like I'm exactly uh, going out on a limb here. Any Suns Lakers Warriors discussion for you boys?
1: I uh, I also had Memphis and the Clippers in this group. Uh I th- obviously the John Morant situation is going to be interesting to monitor in Memphis. But I think if they're healthy, they're as good as any of these teams. And the same deal with the Clippers. I, obviously, we'll see if Kawhi and PG can ever get on the court together in the playoffs. But I also think they're ceiling to size these teams. And to me, it's just much of a commentary on the fact that all five of these teams have very significant positives and very significant negatives. And so I, that, I just put them all in a group because I could see them finishing in any order, frankly, yeah. this season.
0: Uh, the uh, the Clippers would like to ratify or to endorse Daryl Morey's comment about don't judge the roster in July. Uh, that's number one. Number two.
2: Well, they can talk about it because, you know, they've got each other's phone numbers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there has not been enough discussion about the fact that they did that Kawhi just had, an, had another surgery. You but guys thought, are skipping I'll right into real.
2: tier three on me.
0: I'm just saying, like. Kawhi had another surgery.
1: I guess Brian doesn't want to talk about the top six roster in the West.
2: I figured we'd have a long Laker discussion Does
0: Kawhi just skip right back from knee surgery? I don't think so.
2: No, it's not the way it tends to go. He doesn't tend to skip back from anything very fast. I think it's safe to say. Like the Clippers, to me, it's like it was sort of the same as the the Sixers. It's like until we see it, I'm not going to declare that they're a real contender. Yep. You know, that's that's a whole lot of ifs and Maybes and I mean, all these kind of things. and I just you know I, I just can't put them in that same tier as a team that was, you know that that's a couple of years removed from winning their fourth championship with the score and just had added, you know, I know he's not prime Chris Paul, but a Hall of Fame point guard to the mix. Now, <laughs> we've talked about the whole, are you coaching the team? I'm not sure I'm coming off the bench thing, whatever. I think that'll work itself out. And then the Lakers. Hey, well, there's there's certain teams
0: that you will will use the Maury doctrine, which I'm going to don't worry about July. Um, You know, I don't you know, I I don't think you're going to judge the Warriors coming out of the gate. Probably can't judge the Clippers coming out of the gate. Um, But I'll tell you, if it wouldn't, you know, I want to see what the Suns look like coming out of the gate because they don't have a lot of options to improve that roster. (laughs) <laughs> so obviously well, there's, there's
2: still the DeAndre Ayton situation that we'll see if that's played out before the season or if that's something that continues to kind of linger.
0: Okay. But I guess that's true, but I don't know if they're going to, there's a trade there that's going to make them a lot better. Right. And there's a trade there where they can get assets to make another trade, quite frankly. Um, but like, I, I kind of think that we'll know real quick whether this son's group is going to be a threat. And I f- yeah. kind of think that it is. Yeah, because well, we'll
1: see if they can um, stay on the court. I mean, that that's well, as Bond much of the thing you, as anything. You, you're, you're
0: not super duper impressed with Bradley Beal. I, I'm just saying, Bradley Beal is your third best player,
1: that, replacing that's Chris Paul. Well, uh, yes. Again, let's is Bradley Beal the guy he's been the last couple of years, or is he the guy he was before that? A and B. Will he be on the court? Because all yeah, three and- of those guys have had significant injury issues.
2: And and we've right. been this is ground that we've covered before. I just I think it's going to be very difficult to find better third options than Bradley Beal I agree. I'm a okay. big fan uh, of Bradley Beal as a player. I just when, again, when I say there's ground we've covered before, that I means shut up. Well, um, okay. Oh, one if, more thing like to do. The, that. Other,
0: the other team that I think coming out of the gate are the Lakers. The Lakers defended like absolute cr- crazy down the stretch last year. If they. Forget about all the other stuff. Forget about the contracts they signed or whatever. If they come out and they defend like they, and I know Bontemps that it matters whether they're healthier. I got that. Got it. If they defend well, like the they sun, defended. The Lakers. I know, but you're also going to say thing about the Lakers. That's what you said before that these guys get hurt. I know if they defend like they defended in the post-trade deadline and the playoffs, they're going to be very formidable. I don't know where they're going to finish. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know if they defend that way, they're going to be formidable.
2: Okay. Yeah,
0: um, I to- think.
1: Well, wait. Well, we got trivia also. I. Oh, I mean, I just. Yeah. I just. I, my bigger issue with the Lakers is more about do these other guys continue to play at the level they did? Because you know they were. They obviously were. They were fourth in defense after the All Star break, and they were 14th in offense. Right. So like, and I was with LeBron missing some time. Now again, you know, yeah. we'll see how LeBron goes. But like, I'll be interested to in see what they look like. But look, if they if they're a top five defensive team all season, yeah, they're they're gonna have a good chance to be pretty
2: good, assuming those guys are healthy. But we do have trivia. By you the way, listen this in, Brian. Best third options in the league. Guys got a chance to barge his way into that conversation would be Austin Reeves. But
1: go on. No, was, that was one of the best. We con- Talk about the the Dejounte Murray deal. Like, you know, if I've bagged on the Lakers, some that that did that Austin Reeves deal. That's Arguably the best contract of the whole summer, getting him done for the full mid level. That that's going to look really right, but good. But
0: that going was forward. the Lakers dodging a bullet. It wasn't. Well, you know, it doesn't matter. They, they deserve credit for just, that.
1: Playing in their, into their into their favor. Hey, right. they found they found the guy and turned him into a player. And yeah, yeah they, they benefited from Caruso. nobody throwing him a ton of money, but they got it done.
0: They found Caruso. They found Horton Tucker. I know he isn't headed for the Hall of Fame, but that was a good find. And they found Austin Reeves.
1: Yeah, I mean Austin um, Reeves could have just signed a one year qualifying offer and just been like, ah, I'm just going to try to get that next summer.
0: Now that would have been crazy. I mean, I don't think he would have
1: done it, but again, it's just a reserve credit for getting that deal done. And now to present today's trivia question, the whiz of the quiz, Tim Bontemps. We're talking about the Lakers. LeBron, as we know earlier this month at the ESPYs dramatically revealed, he'll be back (laughs) for next season. Can't, can't, can't believe that happened, but it did. Uh, This will be his 21st NBA season. There are five other players who have played at least
2: 21 NBA seasons. Who are they? Well, I've covered a couple of them, I know. Yes, you have. Dirk Nowitzki and, and Vince Carter. That's two of them. Um, Robert Parrish. That's three of them. Kevin Willis. I've covered three of them, actually. Kevin that's, Willis. That's, very, that's four of them. Netflix. Wow. Um, and who am I missing? Who's the fifth? It wasn't KG, was it? It was Kevin Garnett. Look at yeah. that guy. Wow,
0: look
1: at this guy. Lindy. Bam, bam, bam.
2: Don't need no, any help. You got
1: that done in about four seconds. Brian can stay on vacation. Kem- McMahon, take thank- care of it. Thank
2: you. <laughs> More Hoop Collective podcast after this.
1: Now
0: let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Tier C, Western Conference, Tier C. I
2: will, I will acknowledge uh, I had a Carter. slight advantage there having covered, you know, Dirk's twice hey, Still, there was a listen. lot of those things that were looked up.
1: Hey, listen, um, you, still, you still rattled them off very quickly. That's very good.
2: Okay. Tier three, we've discussed the Clippers a lot, right? I put the Kings here. Um, look, Kings were one of, I would say, one of the best stories in the league last year. Um, I think they're for real. I think they can be for real and still get bounced in the first round again. Um, and then you know, we talk about the, the Suns are gonna have a decent idea coming straight out the gate. A team you won't have much of an idea coming straight out the gate is going to be the Memphis Grizzlies for obvious reasons. You know, John Morant's going to be who knows where for the first 25 games of the season, but it won't be in a Memphis Grizzlies uniform. And then, like, I mean, that John Morant is is one of the great unknowns uh, of of the NBA this season. Is he going to get his act together? Is he going to be available? You know, is he, is he going to come back and, and you know, be the same superstar player. And then you get to Steve. His close friend
0: was just uh, arrested.
2: He was. <clears throat> then you get back to uh, Stephen Adams health after he missed the last however many months of last season, you know, they really missed him down, you know, going in the had playoffs. Had two
0: knee surgeries, right? Didn't he have two knee surgeries?
2: Uh, I'm not
1: certain. It I was believe t- he, I believe he had a second procedure done. Okay, late in the year.
0: Okay. And and Desmond Bain had a, I know it's a toe. Surgery, yeah, Desmond Bain. He,
2: he he came back from that toe and played. He missed 17 games, I believe, and played the rest of the season with a bad toe. That's why he was wearing, he was wearing the LeBrons because it worked with the stuff he had to do for his toe, yep. uh, which made for a fun little first round story. Um, but he had his toe, he's expected to be good to go for training camp. Right. Um, but
0: I mean, he may not come flying out of the gates no uh, just to be fair.
2: Sure. And then, you know, Marcus smart, obviously there's going to be an adjustment there. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see about the Grizzlies. We, we will be talking about them a lot uh, beginning with the 26th game of the season for sure. Um, so, Kings, Grizzlies, you guys want to chime in at all there?
1: I I had for me, I had three, I had five more teams in tier three. So I had okay. Sacramento, Dallas, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, and Minnesota all in one group.
2: Okay. I had I had the the other teams you mentioned there, Mavericks, Thunder, Pelicans, Wolves in Tier Four. But if you wanted to crunch those tiers together, I would be fine with that. You know, the Pelicans, like, pff, is iron going to be on the floor or not? If Zion's going to be on the floor, they've got a chance to be really dangerous. If he's not, they don't. Like, woo! There's some real in-depth analysis, but that's it's it's really pretty much that simple, is it
1: not? I agree. I mean, I, they uh, to me, you look at all those teams, right? Sacramento is probably the safest of them because I think mm-hmm. they've got a pretty high floor. However, they were incredibly healthy last year, albeit Amadis Abota's played through the thumb issue, but they didn't really have any other injury issues at all. They had sort of a honeymoon year with Mike Brown. Let's see what it looks like with everybody sort of ready for them this year. Not taking them as well. The Kings have made the playoffs in 20 years. You don't have to worry about them. Obviously, they had a great year last year. We'll see what happens with them. Dallas, we know the whole deal with Kyrie. They've got plenty of variants. We'll see what happens there. Same with New Orleans. To me, Oklahoma City has a super high ceiling. Let's see, you know, assuming Chet Holmgren could stay on the court. We saw Jalen Williams have a brief cameo this summer. Looked incredible. Shay Gilds Alexander is one of the best players in the league, flat out. Like mm-hmm. they've got a really deep, talented roster. Mark Daniel just got a contract extension, one of the best coaches in the league. I think he's proven to be over his couple of years with the Thunder. He's done a fantastic job, I think, so far. So I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be right in the mix. And then Minnesota is another team I'm really fascinated to see. We're going to see Anthony Edwards with Team USA later this summer. Uh, at the world cup i think it's got a chance to be a massive world cup for him uh can he be the guy to carry this team through to a gold medal in this tournament it's probably going to be the guy they're leaning on to do so and we didn't really get to see this team at all last year with him carl towns and rudy gobert on the court together especially with mike conley carl missed basically the entire season with this calf injury then came back late and you know look If they had managed to win that game against the Lakers, if by the way, if Rudy Gobert hadn't got suspended for punching his own teammate in the face and played in that game against the Lakers, I think there's a good chance the Wolves win that game. They play a Memphis team that's banged up in the first round. Maybe their whole playoffs looks different, right? So they play Denver, they lose in five games, they go home. But they've got a pretty high ceiling too. So I put them all together because to me, they're all those are all really interesting teams on a lot of fronts, a lot of lot of potential (laughs) upside. And some real questions about all of them, too. But
0: so is like, going to be really tough. Zion had a hamstring injury in January. Mm-hmm. He's not coming back from surgery. He's not coming back from a broken foot. He had a hamstring injury six months ago.
1: Well, he's also played 112 like, games in four seasons. So I would no, say I get it. he's coming back I from everything.
0: It. I get it. I'm just saying, though, that like I hear people talk about this. Let's just remind everybody why he's missed the last half of the season.
2: It was well, a hamstring and, injury, and also, like the Pelicans were looked like a somewhat of a threat. Like they were. Yes, I you know, no, I agree. Not, Everything you're saying. I'm just you know, reminding everybody. The we're talking about the all these guys
0: having all these surgeries, multiple yeah. surgeries, blah blah blah. <laughs> Several. Well, guy, guy's
1: average. The guy's averaged 28 games a season.
0: We get that. Several. Guys on his on his several of his teammates did have surgery in the offseason. He didn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Second thing is, I'm going to say something about Anthony Edwards 2010, which I believe was after Durant's third season.
1: Yep. Um, just like after this is Anthony Edwards' third season,
0: Durant went to Istanbul with um the uh with Team USA for the world championships, it was called then.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And absolutely was a killer transformational time in Durant's career. <laughs> um, he still got better, but that was where he first flexed his muscle as I'm going to be the best guy around, I can be uh-huh. the best guy around. This is Anthony Edwards' third year. Durant had his max contract in his pocket when he went over to Istanbul. By the way, they played Turkey in the final in Istanbul was expected to be a difficult game and Durant just killed them on their home floor. Okay. This is Anthony Edwards, same opportunity. He got his contract. He set it over there. He's got a great opportunity to grab this by the throat and display just what kind of player he can be. And he has shown flashes of that. just want to say those two things. Go ahead. But i um, uh, McMahon.
2: Yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. If the Thunder made a leap this season, I, I do agree with you there. I just, I can't put them in a higher tier quite yet. Uh, one quick thing I'll say about the Mavericks other than like I like the Grant Williams thing we've talked about. Luca looks like he's in really, really good shape. Yeah I mean this is you know, looking at Instagram and like if he's working out, you'll know it. it'll be on his Instagram. He looks lean. Uh, a lean Luca is a force to be reckoned with. Wendy you'll probably see him uh, in the Philippines when you're there. I well, for- would just say something else
0: here real quick about the World Cup, which I'm going to. Going to go to Abu Dhabi for the first time with Ooh. Team USA. Um, gonna play a couple exhibition games there, including against Greece, which ain't gonna have Giannis. Yeah, not official, but he had knee surgery. I can't see him playing. Right. Um, Victor Wabayama backed out of France. Mm-hmm. Um, the Canadians have a very strong team. We'll see. You know, in the past, the Canadians guys have raised their hands that they were gonna play, and then when it came time for the to get together for camp, they didn't show. So we'll see, but the Canadians have a very strong team, including Jamal Murray, yeah. who has committed to play. Uh, the Canadians have a strong team, but the French won't be as strong as they could have been. The Serbians, which who could have won the whole thing, they're not a contender now in my mind. Um, the Americans are ascending a good team, but definitely second-level talent. There's a few all-stars there. There's a few ascended guys like you know, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Alliburton. These guys are going to be the elite players, I think in the very short-term future. Um, But it's not our A team. Let's be clear. It's not our B team. Yeah. And um, Slovenia finished fourth place in the Olympics in 2021. And Luca was unconscious in that yes. tournament. He, I think he kind of ran out of gas in the bronze medal game. Uh and the Austra- and the Australians squeezed it out. But if you're a Luca fan, if you're a Mavericks fan, uh keep an eye on what Slovenia could do. They oh yeah they have they have some guys that know how to play around him. Um they have a couple of naturalized players that they Toby turned into uh, they've turned to slovenia when they asked
2: him to get a passport by the way
0: right they're prepared to give passports to whoever they need to give them to great great grandfather drove through slovenia in 1907 <laughs> um but anyway just point something out like you know if i was luca and i was looking at all these guys backing out no victor yeah no jokic Giannis.
1: Let's, that let's not but again. Let's let's not put Victor in the same category as Jokic
2: and no. Giannis. But just in terms of like big names, sure. I yeah,
1: guys who
0: are not playing. Yeah. Sure, Luca is. I,
2: yes, like that, look. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: Luca's loyalty to the Slovenian national team could be considered a very encouraging thing for the Mavericks moving forward. Now. It's a different kind of loyalty when it's to your country, and you feel like you know you're being loyal to your blood. But this—he plays every game that he can for the Slovenian national team. And the fact that he's playing for Slovenia when he when he had a Spanish passport and Spain's been an established power, and he was you know living in Madrid and hanging out with a Hernan. Well, his Roman. father is
0: Serbian, correct? He could have played for uh, his
2: father is of Serbian descent, and there was some kind of. Discussion about Serbia as, as a possibility, but I was told that was much less. The bottom. The bottom line is, it would have been very easy to yes. play for a better team, and instead he
1: 100%. chose to play for Slovenia. Could
0: you imagine if he, if he was playing with Jokic on Serbia?
1: Oh
2: yeah. It'd be, how
1: would that team do? How would that team they'd be? Do? They'd be. They'd be pretty good. And you know what? He's already won
2: EuroBasket with Slovenia. Yeah, right. that was with Goran Dragic as the MVP. Dragic isn't playing this summer, but he didn't play in the his knee in the just, Olympic run. His
0: knee just gave out. His yeah, knee. He didn't
2: play out. in the Olympic run. Vlatko Chanchar, I believe, is playing this summer, so they will have at least that's a
0: champion. champion. That's a that's an NBA yeah, champion, yeah, Vlatko right. Chanchar, and
2: EuroBasket champion. There ain't too many of those. That's right. The Earth right now. Um. By the way, when we talk about the Nuggets, like he might be capable of of, of filling one of those. They're going to be asking him to potentially. People. Yeah. Yeah. I will say,
0: um, I don't have any reporting insight here, but that Jamal Murray committed in a summer where he can sign an extension with Denver is interesting.
2: Interesting. All right. So that's tier, according to Bond Tim's three. I had three, four. The next tier, I had one team on there. That's the Jazz, uh, our, our buddy Will Hardy squad. I think they are. Interesting. I think they will be good sooner than later just because Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck have a ton of ammunition and, and a couple of guys to build around. Um, I think it'll be very difficult for them to crack the play-in mix this year. And I think towards the end of the year, the question will be that top 10 protected pick that they owe OKC for dumping Derek Faber's contract. Uh, will the Jazz be keeping that or will the uh, will the Thunder get a late lottery pick out of it? I they're
1: going to be they're going to be keeping that pick. I, I'll bet money right now because I and look at I, I think the Jazz are 100 headed in the right direction. But to your point, McMahon, top 11 in the West is very difficult. And when you've got a top 10 protected pick sitting there that you can keep, I I suspect that the second half of next year is going to go a lot like the second half of last year, and Utah is going to be somewhere. Not something in the top ten of the
2: lottery. That's just my belief. I, I remember when I was inquiring about um, potential NBA office response to the mas blatant tank job that it, it was suggested to me that hey, why aren't you asking about uh, Utah? And I said, oh, did I miss Ryan Smith getting fined six hundred grand a couple years ago for blatantly admitting tanking? Oh, sorry, I, I, I must have missed that part of the story. Uh, Anyway, so that's the Jazz. <laughs> and then Tier 6. But by, by the way, Finland, oh,
0: Lowry, yes. marketing and Led Finland is in the World Cup. So he, a, he's
2: playing for Finland because he's also in their military right now.
0: As far as I know, he's playing for them. He yeah. played for them last summer.
2: Well, I know, but he wasn't in their military last summer. He's doing he's, he's fulfilling his military obligations. A, sure fair
0: fair question as far well as done. I know, he's
2: playing. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, they are in I a very like the you know there would be like a little ability to work together there.
0: They are in a challenging group, Germany with Germany and Australia. Um, uh, but uh, Larry Barkin, I believe is playing this summer for the Finns.
2: And by the way, we will have a lot of World Cup coverage on the pod this summer. One because you're we actually will have.
0: It. Well, it's also all the World Cup is available at ESPN and ESPN Plus. And it's, right. it
2: really is. It's fascinating <laughs> because even with a bunch of guys out, there will be a ton of NBA players uh, participating in this. No question.
0: So I will just say this: the, the, the group of death, which is the, you know comes from the FIFA World Cup, the group of death. There's always one group that's overloaded, but the group of death is the is the group that has both France and Canada in it. Mm-hmm. and the opening game of one of the opening games of the tournament is the French against the Canadians, uh, in Jakarta, Indonesia on, uh, August, I think 25th. Yeah. To August 20, Friday, August 25th. Um, it's like in the morning it's, uh, let me see what time it is. It's like at nine 30 Eastern or something like that in the morning. Um, I'm sure many people will be not paying attention, but it is a very fascinating game. Um, that's a bunch of NBA players are going to be on the court in that
2: game. Okay. So. And something that will not be confused with the group of death is the final <laughs> of the Western conference this year.
1: Group of death in some respects, but not in terms of competition. Well, that uh, says death of competition. We, we, from do, a good we do
2: have, we do have RIP in here, Rip city, uh, the trailblazers, which uh, I anticipate there will be some sort of, resolution that will have whether
1: whether dame's on the team or not they're going to be in this tier because they're going to stink either way They've
2: tanked the last couple years because it made sense including last year when dame was healthy and an all-nba player um the rockets who spent a lot of money because it's phase two it's time to be competitive and i
0: (laughs) he loves talking about phase two phase
2: two competitive will be i think somewhere in the lower 30s win wise probably which is i mean no step up but it's not enough to get out of the bottom tier. Yeah, they'll be better, but just not good enough to be in contention for anything. Sure. And then the Spurs, which obviously this is, you know, bottom tier, but with an arrow pointing seven feet five inches up. Um. But yeah, that, that that's my bottom tier in the West.
1: Yeah, I I agree completely. I, I you know Utah's a, a step above those teams, and you know. Those teams, for different reasons, all have have, have trended in the right direction this offseason, I think getting Scoot Henderson in Portland, obviously getting Vic in San Antonio. I like in particular getting Fred VanVleet and Amy Doka in Houston. But all those teams what are very Houston's, far behind everybody else.
0: Uh,
2: Vegas, Houston's
0: Houston's draft pick this year is
2: oh yeah boy this flat is top, out owned- top top four protected top four protected. And if you remember when they got Jalen Green. That pick, that was a top four protected swap right situation. So they had the worst record in the league, which if you're, you know, if you're, if you're at the bottom there, bottom whatever, is it three or four? I think think bottom three, you've got, it's like a 48. It was not
1: a top four swap. It was a top four pick and they kept their pick because they landed in the top four. It was a swap.
0: It was a swap.
2: It was a swap swap, because they still owe two top four protected picks, 24 and 26. It was a swap it was two picks and two swaps was the trade for Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. That was a swap because it would have moved down. Like, I forgot what it was 18 or whatever. Cause Miami was involved in the, it became one of those multi-way swap type right. situations. Right. But they had a 48% roughly chance of being top four and a 52% chance. Or maybe I've got those backwards. But anyways, damn near coin flip. They landed it too. They got Jalen green out of that this is just a top four protected pick period, right? You either going to, you'll pick in the top four or the Thunder will have your pick. So the Thunder, obviously, are looking at this situation and I'm sure thinking, hmm, boy, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Like, can we get somewhere? Those
0: four Thunder Rockets games, I would expect the Thunder to go all out in those ones. Oh, yes. Uh, Chet Holmgren will be on the court in those games. (laughs) Shea will be out there
2: also, I think I think the thunder's days of furious lineup decisions have come to an end, regardless, but especially. yeah, but
0: they're gonna be very they're gonna be very protective. yeah. Um, and and by the way, let's my, just say if the schedule comes out and there's back to backs, they may be strategic and
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um my my tears followed pretty closely. I, I think right on pretty much with the uh, with the Vegas odds. Blazers and Clippers are off the board for obvious reasons. Uh, Spurs and Rockets had the lowest win totals at 31 and a half. So, um, and like I said, the rest pretty much follow in line.
0: All right. I enjoyed it. And it's nearly time for bed here in Italy.
2: I <laughs> also
1: got we also got late breaking news that the the Hornets have officially uh, been approved to be bought by
2: Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin from Michael Jordan per Adrian. Just well, that's, a, that's a good way to put you to bed, Wendy. More yeah, Hornets. Jordan
0: was in it. Jordan was in Italy last week, so he was not concerned. (laughs) Um,
2: Now he's got a little bit more money to spend.
0: He's got a lot more money. Okay, I don't know what that really means, but uh, P.J. Washington, probably the most interesting free agent left out there, right?
1: The only restricted free agent left, I
2: believe, period. Unless you want to... Well, most interesting, we can discuss Christian Wood, who, uh, shocker, he didn't get a max offer.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that at a later time when he signs. Okay, <laughs> thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Thank you uh, to Jackson for doing this on Sunday afternoon. Thank you to Bontemps coming off vacation. And uh, thank you to you, McMahon, as always.
2: Gracias and adios amigos.
0: Grazie. Ooh.